Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Today's episode is a Mike Michalowicz special edition. Yes, the world's most prolific author on entrepreneurship, the author of The Pumpkin Plan, Surge, Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Clockwork, Fix This Next, and his newest book that will be coming out in the fall, Different is Better, Mike Michalowicz is in the house and we are diving into his mailbox today. Thanks for coming back, Mike. Oh my God, this is so much fun doing this. Uh, Danielle, big thank you to you. I am regularly hearing from people who are just huge fans of this show. And I wonder if in the introduction, when we say the top 17%, if we can say, you know, why not become 18 or 19%? Like that's the goal is to expand that percentage. It's not limited to 17%. That's just where we're starting. And I think this show, your work, Danielle, is is changing that number for, for reals and it's doing it on a global level. Thank you to you. Well, thanks for this opportunity. It is we're having a lot of fun. This is episode, I think, 48. So, wow. Um, yeah. Because it was, we, like, what, was it a year ago that you were kicking this off. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Wow. So, um, exciting stuff. And, and we're, yeah, it, I'm having fun. So, that's what's, what's great. So, let's dive into your inbox. Um, you shared some emails, and I will kick us off. So, the first email is from Amanda, and it says, Hi, Mike. I just started my business in September and I'm getting massive results for clients. Not taking enough profit is burning me out. And I agree with you. It's, and she says this in all caps, not sustainable. I'm committed to your system. Thanks so much. Sincerely, Amanda D. Oh, it it, it takes something for people to like finally be like, oh, I've had enough. And, um, And profit you can only go so long if you're not profitable. So why don't you talk about why it's so important that we get profit right and why profit comes first in Profit First? Yeah, and you know, I'll give you a bonus to that too. I'll give you one, one word. If you change one word, you will instantly drive more profitability. So um, the reason it's so important is profitability translates to runway, not just for the business, but also runway for our personal lives. If you have an infinite amount of savings, there is no urgency put upon you to create money right now because you can pull from that savings. That savings brings confidence. And perhaps the most fundamental shift I see from people implementing Profit First 
immediately is their confidence. They start seeing a little bit of money accumulating. And like, oh my gosh, I have a little cushioning. I feel better. I have control. I understand that if I keep doing this, more money will accumulate, giving me more safety, more security. And they start making more prudent decisions. There's a saying that uh, desperate people do desperate things. When, when you don't have money, we panic to, to make money. Here's the one word change. It's the word make. We are constantly asking, how much am I making? How much is the business making? And if you're at a networking, how much, how much, how much does your company make? Or whatever. But we, we always ask about make. I want to change that to word to take. How much does you, do you take from the business? How much am I taking? And when change make to take, it becomes profit-focused as opposed to revenue-focused. Revenue is a wonderful vanity metric, but it does not drive the security of your business. It does not give you runway. Profit, the take, is security. So what matters most is what you take, not what you make. Oh my gosh. That, thanks. That, that's the episode of, I mean, that's the title of this episode. Perfect. <laughs> we nailed it. Yeah. yeah. In the episode itself. I, I, I planned it that way. That's why that was the lead email, right? So our second email says, hi, Mike. Thank you for your book, Profit First. I'm committed to putting my profit first this year and taking on your tips as I read your book. My business started off with a bang early last year, and I had to completely rearrange my approach and undo a lot of bookings due to the pandemic. Throw in a breakup and moving out on my own, and it's been a turbulent time where I've leaned much too heavily on my credit cards. However, pandemic aside, I relate to you in regard to realizing I've never been good with money. I've always spent when I had it and budgeted when I didn't. I'm a big fan of automation and systems, and I can already tell that your system is going to be a great tool for me. Thanks again, Steph. So I think Steph is like most normal people. I've always spent when I had it. So Steph's a human. (laughs) And budgeted when I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very human endeavor. You know, one thing she says in this email is, uh, I've never been good with money. I want to challenge Steph and anyone who feels this way is you are good with money. You're maybe not good with accounting. And And those are two very different things. If you know how to spend and save, uh, if you know the difference between the two, you are good with money. It's the accounting we get confused at. And that that is simply an a, accounting for money. It's a record of, it's detail for, but it isn't necessarily the management of money. The management of money is uh, throttling and staying within the the available funds for us. So if I make $100 and I can sustain off of $50, I'm doing a great job. If I make $10 million, and I burn through $11 million, bad job. So it really is that difference. In fact, I, I um, remember, and I put this in the book, I heard, um, oh, who's that financial guru? Uh, Susie Orman. I heard Susie Orman doing a public uh, speech. She, they recorded, they broadcast on television. And she says, I'll, I'll make you rich right now. She goes, the moment you get more joy out of saving money than spending money is the second you become rich. And that literally is management of money right there. I also can empathize with, with Steph saying, you know, I budget when I don't have money and I spend it when I have it. Budgeting is very reactionary historically. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money. I need to put controls in place. We put controls in place. Money flows in. The controls are out the window. What Profit First will do for Steph is that now the budget is inherent to where she accesses her money. Budgets 
historically are in spreadsheets. They're, they're elsewhere. There's something we don't go to. But now we're intercepting that path of logging to the bank account. The money's carved up to its intended use prior to spending it. So you are forced to recognize and appreciate your budget with every transaction, inflow and outflow of cash. So it's, it's highly likely, because Steph seems very normal, um, that she will exceed and excel in this system. Exactly. So our next email says, Mike, I'm not sure if this will reach you, that's what <laughs> it has, but I'll give it a try nonetheless. Your book, Profit First, is very much designed for the owners of a company. Perhaps not me, but I still take a lot from it. I joined Lucky 13 Sandwich in Phuket, Thailand, only about two years ago. To my credit, I've climbed extremely quickly, also with a little help from COVID, believe it or not. I knew I always had the drive and ability to make it as an entrepreneur, but I never knew how to start. Taking the leap and leaving my easygoing expat teaching life behind has presented this opportunity, and I did the rest from there. The company is a gourmet sandwich shop, amongst other items, that has started to franchise across the country. I found an opportunity to buy into a restaurant in Phuket in a 50-50 partnership with the holding company who I work for. So therefore, now I count myself as an owner, thus finding your book extremely interesting. The deal is only possible with a loan from my father. I don't have money, and to be honest, neither does he right now. He is an independent travel agent, and I don't need to explain how difficult that is in the current pandemic, but he believes in me and my drive and belief. Seeing the opportunity... Planning it all out and acquiring the loan is the easy part. Looking at the gap system we have in place, how did you know, concerns me. Sales are terrible. Expenses are moderately high, considering, and staff are demotivated. With my new position, I plan to move basically full-time into the restaurant and to adopt lessons I learned in books and online. I understand the answers are out there. You don't need to reinvent the wheel in this game. One should utilize the abundance of resources available out there. My mentality towards authors like you is that if they have made a book with great reviews, they've done something right in life. Learn from them and implement the lessons into my world. Unfortunately, not many people share that mentality, colleagues and partners alike. They just wing it. So here I am. I've invested in a company on borrowed money with terrible sales, and in a market that heavily relies on the non-existent tourists in the middle of a global pandemic. I'm telling you that I am drawing a line in the sand. I may not have created this business, but I have enough of an understanding, the systems in place, teachers like you, and a drive to succeed. I hope this email finds you well. I'm not sure if it'll reach you, but perhaps it will. You should know that it's people like you that inspire us at the beginning of the uphill battle. So I sincerely thank you for that. Kindest regards, Danny. That's a, it's a beautiful note from Danny. Yeah. And he's exactly right about not reinventing systems. And that's what I think is so great about how you approach and, and, and how you write each book is that you have figured out the system and you lay it out for everyone. And honestly, it's the people who try to hijack the system that seem to fail. So what do you have to say to Danny here? Yeah. And uh, first of all, 
not only, I almost get a sense like that the fact that Danny didn't start the business, that there's some kind of demotion in his value to the business. And that is absolutely not true. The fact he's investing, actively investing in business, he is an owner of the business. It doesn't matter the starting point. You are taking it from where it is. And admittedly, one of my own businesses, I owned a computer company, my first company. I sold it through a private equity deal. And the new owners of the business, they took much better care of the business. It has been explosively successful and subsequently sold to yet another private equity deal. To, it's part of a roll-up. They, they made mint off of it. So they're the heroes of that company's journey. I may have started it, but the significant involvement was theirs. And I think that's, Danny's got to see it that way too, is that it doesn't matter who starts an idea, who sees it through to the best amplification of what it could be. And I think that's Danny's opportunity. I also can empathize with with partners who don't get a, uh, or don't buy into an ideology. That is perhaps the biggest challenge we experience with the rollout of Profit First. When there's multiple people in the business and some say let's do and some say let's don't, the don'ts in most cases win because the doers have to force change when the donors simply have to keep things the way they were. Now, I'm not saying donors, I meant donters. <laughs> keep it where things are. So the basically the profit first folks are on an offensive trying to change things and the people who don't want change are on a defensive and can easily throw monkey wrenches in there. I would challenge Danny to invite these people to try profit first for themselves not in their business, in their house, and commit just to try at the lowest level and see what their experience is. It, it's a dip the toe in the water. I would then challenge them to say, maybe you're right. Maybe it won't work for our business, but are we satisfied with where we are now? And that's going to force a hard conversation because they'll say, yes, we love losing money. And then it's like, well, hold on. We're at very big odds here. Or no, we're not satisfied. Uh, and then it discusses the reasoning. Well, you're not satisfied. What are we going to do? We believe sticking out the way we have longer is going to serve us. I believe that trying something new is going to serve us, and it can become an impasse. So then you do the dips of toe in the water in the business and say, let's just have one account. We'll call it a profit account. We're going to allocate 1% of the money to it. We're going to hide the money away, and we're going to run the business exactly how we've been running it. This will afford you time, um, and we can start experiencing this profit account. I would just let the profit account sit there. I'd keep adding money to it, the 1%, religiously. I wouldn't even talk about it. Then at a certain point, I come back to the team, maybe after six months and say, how's sticking with it? How's that serving us? How much money do we have? Well, there's not much, nothing's changed. And then say, well, the profit account has you know $12,000 accumulated. So we actually have a $12,000 profit in doing nothing. Can we try this at 2% or 3%? And now you're kind of dipping your toe in the water and it's not through conflict, it's through small incremental adjustments. Showing the results, that's perfect, yes. And showing results, yeah, the proof. Listen, I, Daniel, I, I didn't believe in the system when I did it now 13 years ago or 14 years ago. When I implemented it, I, I did I did have desperation. I, I was living off credit cards. Um, I, I felt the panic. Um, I, I remember that this was a tough conversation with my my wife. When we lost our house, we said, where are we going to go? Uh, people in our neighborhood actually volunteered their house. They were going on a sabbatical, uh, a business sabbatical, basically, for a year and they wanted house sitters. We became effectively the house sitters. Uh, but the consideration with two was, do we move back with my parents? I'm in now, you know, in my late thirties, uh, I have three children and moving back with my parents, it was a really tough pill. Um, so when I tried the system, it wasn't because I believed it would work. It's because I didn't have much of an alternative. And so I started doing it and I was like, wow, I, I started to prove to myself this would work. And that's when I leaned into it and it's been 
you know, I've had now approaching, I think, 50 consecutive quarters of profit distributions, at least 48. But I think it's about 50 consecutive profit distributions. It's It's been a life changer because I was willing to get started in a small way, even though I didn't necessarily believe it. And I mean, as long as you start this, like, you know, a week or two before a quarter ends, I mean, if you're putting away, if you're, if you, even if you're starting at 1%, I mean, your first quarterly profit distribution is going to be profit. So um, it's, it's about starting now. It's about just doing it. And even at 1%, Danny can do this and he can do it for his partners and, um, and the holding company that he is invested in, right? Yeah. And it's funny, we humans become very biased toward our own beliefs and we'll fight for things that even when we're wrong, I've gotten in arguments with my wife and I know I'm arguing something that's total nonsense, but now I'm in the argument. So I continue to fight it, even though I am totally wrong. And it's a, it's a very subconscious kind of behavior. But when I think about it consciously, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm being such an idiot here. Well, that happens in businesses too resistance happens at a subconscious level because we want to comply with what we believe to be true, validating and affirming what we thought was true, satisfying our ego. Change means we were wrong in the past. And that's a tough pill to swallow. That's why I move in slowly. And then our final email is, hi, Mike, I've been a so-called income tax preparer for eight years. When the pandemic hit, I suddenly had to sit and think. I'm sorry. I suddenly had time to sit and think. To my horror, I realized that I was not, in fact, a business. I simply had a part-year hobby. Mm. For all this time, I was barely making enough money to get me through the next month during tax season. And for the rest of the year, I lived hand-to-mouth while I considered working at Walmart or Uber. I heard about Profit First from a YouTuber during their appliance business class. I am grateful, hopeful, and excited to use Profit First. Validia. Wow. I love when people have this sort of V8 moment when they can finally clearly see and understand why they've been struggling and working too hard for too little. You know, and she's now kind of said, well, gosh, I, I think I classified my business when it was really just a hobby because it was not sufficiently supporting her. Uh, you know, I think the faster you can come to this realization, and get through your uh, instant assessment and really start figuring out like how much you're making per hour for all of the work that you're doing, I find comes people's like why and and passion to just like turn the ship around and um, and become profitable and start paying themselves. Yeah, there's a, uh, there's a local Walmart here in the town, Booten, where I am. And one of the cashiers is just the most fun, affable, energetic people I know. It, it's fun to be in his line. And he hasn't worked there full time. And uh, part of me feels like sh shame on him for not giving the world his gift. He could do more of this. And I, I don't know his backstory. Maybe he has a reason he doesn't work there full time. Maybe he's doing something else. My point is, we all have a gift. And I don't know what the vehicle will be if it's working at Uber or Walmart or running a tax compliance uh, or tax preparing service. It, to me, the vehicle doesn't matter. It's the application of our gift. And I think Validia here has a potentially a massive gift. And I wonder 
if a motivating factor could be a, a perspective of shame on me for not delivering that to the world, shame on me for uh, pursuing a way to support part-time work when if I leaned into this, I could be giving a gift to my customers of being fully present for them. Now they would have to acknowledge that gift too through paying you. And I strongly suspect when you lean into your talents, I, I know from experience, the likelihood of you making a livable wage or a wage even that you dream of is much more likely when you follow something you love to do and passionate about as opposed to something that you feel obliged to do. We, we just, when I love to do something, I love to write books. Yeah, you know that. And I, I love my yap trap to keep moving too. It's the two things I love. Well, the writing books, I love it so much. I do it every day because I want to do it. Well, the desire to do it elevates my ability to do it, which then the market um, proves that then it becomes more consumable because I have a better gift. I'm sorry, my, my books are better because my passion in doing, doing it. When I just wrote a couple of blogs here and there, those weren't as consumable because it wasn't a full-time vocation. And I love to yap. So, you know, public speaking has worked out you know, pretty well for me. Um, I think Validia could take this kind of same understanding and say, you know, if you have a gift and a, and a desire to do it, lean into it. It's a little bit of walking that blind up the, the staircase blindly, but the next step will present itself. Just, just lean into and do more of it. The nice thing is she had this realization. I'm not telling her something she doesn't know. It's the fact that when business slowed down um, that, that she noticed I'm not making enough to get through. I, I want to challenge her to ramp things up and to, to become a, an expert in this category. I also want to acknowledge one other thing. There is no shame in doing work that puts food on your table if that is what's necessary now. Sometimes that is the most important thing. Sometimes that's what we're called to do most. I have no problem doing whatever is necessary to ensure that my family is fed and they have shelter. And if I can't do that through writing, if I can't do it through public speaking, I will find an alternative way. I'll continue to seek my point of joy and try to find a vehicle that satisfies that. But foundationally, the basics of survivability are, are necessary and there's absolutely no shame in that. Exactly. Um, well, thank you so much, Mike, for joining us on this episode. If you would like to work with a profit-first professional bookkeeper, accountant, or coach, then please visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact. There you will be able to connect with a certified profit-first professional bookkeeper, accountant, and coach. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.